welcome to episode 207 of the Veg Grow podcast. My name's Richard and I like to grow food in my allotment. And I'm coming to you from my podding shed on the 11th of February 2019. Now later on in this podcast I have a couple of chats that I recorded at CD Sunday last week and these are both based around pollinators. But before that we have a tip of a week from the plant to grow harvest calendar but firstly let's find out what I've been up to over this last week. Well, today is Thursday the 8th of February 2019. I'm just in the greenhouse at the moment, checking over a few things in here. Everything looks good, although the banana tree has died back, but I think that'll bounce back. Um, It's not overly warm in here, so I don't think the hotbed system is necessarily working, or it needs more material. I'm not sure yet, but I'll check that out over the weekend. I'm just looking at my peach tree and that's starting to bud. That's quite interesting. Oh, yeah. Anyway, um, this is the first update for the week. Now, I haven't been in the garden much after work. Uh, one, because it's been dark, but two, I've had a few things on this evening. Or over the evenings, I should say. But anyway, I'm in here now. And I've, well, I'm just, as I said, I'm in the greenhouse just checking over a few things. But I was in the potting shed just now. And I potted on my salad leaf trays. Now, these were sown a few weeks ago. I'd actually done two of them. And I sown them from the seed sowing trays and into uh, punnets with multi-purpose compost. And I've just pulled them out the trays and pushed them into the multi-purpose compost, given them a good spray of water and left them to hopefully continue to grow. The idea here they're potting some root mass now and really start growing and then I'll be able to take the punnets that they are growing in into the kitchen and harvest them as and when I need them which will be great to actually get some salads every now and then. I mean I'm not a huge salad eater but the wife is babbling on a bit now aren't I but yes no it feels like the salad leaves are looking like they're nearly ready they just need a bit more space to grow so hopefully now they're going to grow i keep coming up to do this potting shed with what am i going to do in there because it's very small but very used a lot so i'm thinking of more shelves and different things like that anyway babbling on again so that's it for today um let's see what happens over the next few days well it's sunday today the 10th of february 2019 and it's been a really busy weekend well, yesterday the weather kind of scuppered my plans, but in the afternoon I did go to another seed swap. And this was a seed swap, a bit more local, but one I've never been to before. And I didn't really know what to expect. And I'll be honest, I was really disappointed. And that's why I'm not going to name what the event actually was. Now, I paid a couple of quid to get in, which isn't a huge amount of money, I know. But it was billed as a seed swap event. So I was expecting, you know, seed swapping, um, gardening to be the main basis of this event. And actually, my feelings was afterwards, it was more about the charities. Now, there were a couple of gardening charities, but I would have said 90% of this event was charities. Which... I felt really 
disappointed. I feel awful for saying that because I'm not actually against charities. It's just there were so many of them and they were all jumping on me as soon as I walked in that it felt, you know, like chuggers in a high street jumping on you when you're walking down and you just want to do your own thing. But I know that it's not very good. The charities obviously need awareness and try and get money, of course, but it just feels very aggressive approach. And actually, by the time I actually found the seed swap table, I had completely lost interest and I just kind of wanted to get a cup of tea and probably get out of there. It was a real shame. And it might just be me because it did seem fairly busy, although there wasn't many people of my age group. There was a lot of elderly people. Again, I don't want to sound ageist with that. It's a bit of a bad thing to say. It's just... I think it's very off-putting. Um, the the charities are well are quite important, of course, I, and I don't want to take it away from that. Oh, I'm going to dig myself into a hole because I'm not really getting my thoughts out. But yeah, I I was disappointed just because the seed swap or uh, a stall's selling plants only took up, I would say, ten percent of this event. And there was probably another 20% of gardening-based charities. The rest was just charities to do with wildlife or the environment and that sort of thing, uh, even a windmill. Anyway, I'm I'm going to have my rant over for about that, so I apologise if I've upset anybody with my feelings on that. It's just how I feel. Today, I know I managed some gardening work today. This morning... I um well I sorted out my seed potatoes. I just popped them into trays to chit, and chitting is uh, this natural act that a potato will do. It's basically trying to grow. It starts to send out a shoot. So I've popped all my seed potatoes into a tray with the eyes up, in, and they're now sitting in my potting shed. Um, and they're in the potting sheds because that will provide them nice light that the shoot will grow nice and strong, and it will keep them cool and frost free in here so yeah that that's good now there's always a debate whether chitting helps the potatoes but my thoughts are that a potato a seed potato will naturally start to chit anyway so if it's going to do it we want to give it the best possible uh, chance at chitting in order to grow now after putting these seed potatoes into my potting shed i planted Three of my home guard sea potatoes. Usually I would have done this around the end of January, but I'm a bit behind, but hey-ho. Now I've planted these three potatoes in a tub of homemade compost, a potato tub that is, and this is sitting in my greenhouse where they will continue to grow. Gave them good watering, um, and then I headed to the allotment for a couple of hours, and... Well, when I got to the allotment, I parked at the entrance because the ground at the allotment was really, really wet and muddy. And I guessed if I took my van right down to my actual allotment, it would get stuck. So I parked at the entrance and walked down. And I was only having one job or one task to do today, but it was a fairly big task. And that was actually to get the area where my potatoes are grow ready and prepared. Now, I won't be planting out my potatoes till March the 17th, but while there's not much going on in the allotment, it seemed like a good idea just to get on and get ahead of getting the ground prepared. 
And all I was doing was digging out compost from my compost heap and pouring that over the bed where it was to grow or where the potatoes to be planted. Um, now this compost heap actually existed when I took on the plot and the bin itself I've decided it's to go. I'm going to turn that area into something else. Um, so I, yeah, as I was digging through the compost, pouring it over the bed, I'm, I'm getting out prepared. I actually found in this compost bin there was a lot of rubbish, such as plastic bottles, pots, and even little bits of weed membrane. Now, these were obviously left by the previous tenants who obviously couldn't be bothered to clear out their rubbish. And they've just dumped it into this bin. So I've had to remove all that as well. Uh, and use the compost that's spread over the bed and ready to go. So now all I've got to do is wait till March the 17th and I'll be able to plant out my potatoes. Now this evening, it's about six o'clock in the evening at the moment. I'm just in my little potting shed, uh, just watering a few of my seedlings and checking they're okay. They're actually doing really good, actually. Um, I've actually noticed the light at the moment. Uh, it's not getting dark till about half five, so that's good. It's getting lighter in the evenings. And there's also signs of springs. Uh, daffodils are in flower, um, buds on my peach tree and sort of things. So things are really getting growing now. So it's it's um, it's um a good sign that it's, it's seeds are okay to sow. I'm not going to sow any tonight because I'm a bit out of time. But yeah, the salad leaves, actually, I want to mention those. The salad leaves that I potted on the other day, they've really shot on in growth since potting on. So they, they'll be starting harvesting soon. So that'll be really cool. Anyway, that's it for today. I'm going to um, go indoors and write up this week's harvest report. So catch me and we'll find out what's gone on in that on the next one. Well, it's the 11th of February 2019 today, and I'm going to talk about the weekly harvest report in just a moment, but I've actually got a bit more to add to the diary first. Now, I finished work early today. I was, in fact, home just after three o'clock, which was really, really nice to be finished at that time. Making use of a light, and after letting the chickens out the run, I decided I was going to pot on some of my cauliflower and kale seedlings. And these were sown on the first week of January, so they've been growing away very slowly, but they needed to be potted on. They were big enough to be potted on. The cauliflower isn't looking great. In fact, I only had one seedling, but we'll see how it goes. The kale, however, this is red Russian. They seem to be doing very, very well. Now, I've potted those on into single modules in my root trainers with a bit of John Ennis number two, and we'll see how they get on. Uh, now we're in mid-February, again to the time of year to buckle down and sow some seeds. Still a little early for many, but because I'm on the south coast, I can probably get away with it. And I've said before, I've got propagators and heat and uh, grow lights, which just help boost things along, in my opinion. After this, I decided to start to remove some compost from my compost bin and fill up the fruit bed that I built a couple of weeks ago. And this is another one of these jobs that I've not managed to get on and do for a while, but I actually emptied quite a bit of compost from this bin into the bed. Now the chickens were straight on there, digging over the compost, looking for seeds, etc. And basically spreading the compost over the bed for me. So pretty happy with that. And now the bed is nearly full of compost. I just need to give it a few days to settle and then I will plant in my Tabry and blackberry plants. Now the weekly harvest report was released last night and it was another very low week. Just eggs, herbs and salad leaves this week, which came to about £4.50. 
Not a huge amount because I'm still using up my stores and uh, my freezer is full of food from last year. We have onions, potatoes too, and I could have actually harvested more potatoes, cabbages, kale, Jerusalem artichokes, that sort of thing. Now I did have a comment from Steve who has asked about my stored food as we have been living off that for months now. And for us, I find it pretty easy to live off the food. Now when I cook meals when I've got the produce going, I tend to cook more than what we need. There's only me and my wife, so we're a small family. And if I'm cooking up a meal, most recipes are for four people. So it's easy to split that in half and freeze half of it for a meal later on in a year. And that's how I tend to do a lot of my storage and that's what we're eating mostly at the moment. Now I should add we do obviously still go to the shops for various things that we can't grow ourselves or bread and milk that sort of thing but we're not entirely living self-sufficiently yet. Now I did spend some money last week on chicken food, wood shavings and seeds including some coffee seeds which I'm really looking forward to growing. They're going to be a bit of fun. I do have a coffee plant growing but I just thought growing from seeds sounds a bit like fun. So yeah, well, this really brings the diary up to date for this week. What have you been up to? Get in touch to let me know. So this week's tip from the RHS Plant Grow Harvest Calendar reads, Turn the soil in your vegetable beds to aerate it and leave it rough as the winter frosts will help to further break it down. Can I argue with that? Am I allowed to challenge the RHS? They are a much well-known body of gardening so I feel a bit bad for saying this but this late in the winter are we going to get that much in the way of frosts to break down the the soil I don't know I don't dig anyway I gave up on that years ago I'm not sure on that I'll be honest um I feel it's too late to get the frosts to break down the soil but what do you think let me know and you can tell me if I'm wrong or not I suppose we do get uh, frosts up until about May, but do we get hard enough frosts? I'd love to hear your thoughts. This week I want to talk a little about insects, particularly pollinating insects. Now I know that these creatures aren't necessarily a nice thing to think about as such, but I quite like them actually. I think they're fun. And they also play a really important part of our ecosystem. To start off with, and I feel this is going to relate to why they're important to us, about a year ago, I went to a talk as part of a study from the University of Sussex. And it was a group called Team Pollinate, and they're trying to work out how much we owe to these insects. Last week, I managed to catch up with the team and find out a little bit about how the research is going on. Well, I'm at the Team Pollinate stand, and I actually went to a, a talk Team Pollinate done a, about a year ago, I think it was. And I'm talking to Beth Nichols, who's... Are you in charge of it? Is that right? Uh, Yeah, I'm coordinating the project. Coordinating the project. How's the research going? Yeah, really good. We've just come to the end of kind of two years of data collection and we're analysing the results now. Um, And today we've put together a little presentation um, just to show people what we found, basically. Are you able to tell anything that you found so far? Yeah, Is that... of course, of course. So um, one of the kind of really interesting results was how productive um, allotments we found them to be. So people were harvesting about a kilogram of food per square metre, which wow. um, kind of equates to conventional farms as well. It's quite, quite similar um, levels of productivity. So we're really surprised by that. And if you kind of multiply that by... Um, how much allotment space there is in Brighton and Hove, we calculate that 
the city could produce about 500 tonnes of food a year. Um, and that's just insect pollinated crops, so that doesn't include potatoes and root veg as well. So it's probably actually a lot more than that. But as a starting point, that's pretty impressive, I think, already. That is quite a lot of food, isn't it? And that, that's just fruits and... Yeah, just fruits. Yeah. So, so mostly fruits and squash and pumpkins and things like that as well. So, yeah. Yeah, great stuff. So, so what is Team Pollinate's aim to try and achieve? Um, so one of the things we wanted to understand is which insects are pollinating those crops in cities as well because we know a lot about kind of conventional rural farming but in the cities we don't know if there's enough pollinators um, to actually produce food sustainably. So um, volunteers were doing uh, pollinator surveys um, in their allotments um, and I'm just analysing that data at the moment to see which are the most common visitors of, of the different crops but um, preliminary results show that actually flies were the most common visitors which might um, not be what people expect you might expect it to be bees but actually flies seem to be quite important pollinators of some of the crops people are growing things like strawberries for example well that's an interesting because i hear this thing quite often it's a bit of a misconception that bees are the only pollinators it's not true at all is it no no so um beetles also pollinate as well as i say flies are quite important and um butterflies and moths do a little bit as well but um bees are definitely not the only pollinators and it's definitely not just honeybees and bumblebees there is about 250 species of bee in the uk so um we need kind of diverse pollinator populations for pollination for sure <laughs> so is this based solely on Brighton and Hove at the moment still or are you going out over anywhere else? Um, at the moment it's just based in Brighton and Hove because we're doing a city comparison between Brighton and between um, Calcutta and India. So we've just limited it to the city for now so that we can sort of directly compare the data. Um, but perhaps in the future we, we'll be able to open it up. Um, and we're trying to develop an app that people can use um, for tracking their harvests that will tell them how much um, their produce is worth and how much that um, uh, is is directly thanks to pollinators. Um, And so we're hoping to launch that uh, for for everyone across the country. Um, Great stuff. So if anybody wants to catch up more with what you're doing, where can they find you? um, They can visit our website, which is teampollinate.co.uk is the best place, or find us on Twitter as well. (laughs) Lovely. Thank you very much. Well, that is the latest from a study from Team Pollinate. Now, I will be catching up with Beth again later on in the year and to try and get her on the podcast to go into this in a bit more detail. I think it's really fascinating. With all that, I think it's important to get an understanding why pollinators are so important to us. We owe quite a bit to them, let's face it. Now, my next guest is here to discuss about pesticides. Usually, this is a subject I try and avoid because I don't know the science behind it, but I'll let my guest explain I've just came across a stall called the Pesticide Action Network. So what's your aim? Um, So at Pan UK, we work to reduce the harms caused by pesticides, whether that's in agriculture, homes and gardens, or the campaign we're here with today is about um, stopping councils using them in urban public spaces. So that's parks and green spaces, streets, pavements, uh, housing estates, cemeteries... Um, and Brighton and Hove Council are still using pesticides and we're, we're asking them to stop. I'm quite surprised that Brighton and Hove Council use pesticides given that it's run by the Green uh, Party. I find that actually 
quite shocking. Actually, at the moment, Brighton and Hove doesn't. Uh, no party leads Brighton and Hove Council. Oh right. Yeah, so it's um, it's not a majority Green Council, but we've got council elections coming up on the second of May. Yeah. And the idea is, in the, in the run up to those, we're going to be contacting all the candidates standing in those elections of all parties and asking them to take what we call the pesticide-free pledge. So basically, tell people in Brighton and Hove, if you elect me, then I will make sure the council stops using pesticides. Ah, great idea then, okay. Perhaps I got that a bit, well, I did get that a bit wrong. <laughs> uh, but Brian has a reputation for being a quite a green, green place. Yeah, exactly. We've got the only green MP in the UK, obviously, and yeah. Caroline Lucas, she's very supportive of this agenda. Yeah. So she's also been talking to the council about them stopping using pesticides. And actually, Lewis District Council went pesticide-free in 2017. Uh, we've got a few London boroughs have done it. You know, there's councils all around the UK and actually around the world that have done it. And Brighton and Hove Council promised to do it in 2016 and haven't really seen that promise through. So um, now it's time to do it. Great stuff. Now, getting away from the councils, the allotmenteers or the home gardeners, have you got any suggestions for them to go pesticide free? Yeah, I mean, there's loads of things that home gardeners can do to stop using pesticides. And actually, Pan UK, if, I go, if you go to our website or on the stool today, we've got a guide to gardening without pesticides. So uh, it goes through by pest and what you can do, non-chemical alternatives for dealing with those pests. So I'd really encourage any, um, any enthusiastic amateur gardeners to come and check our website and look at that guide. And that website was, sorry, just again? So it's www.pan-uk.org. Great stuff. Now, for those who are saying, what's the harm pesticides do? What, do, what is the harm? So, I mean, obviously, there's all sorts of horrible health impacts. So, you know, people using pesticides tend to have higher rates of cancer, neurological diseases like Parkinson's. Uh, there's a whole host. And, and vulnerable groups like children, pregnant women and the elderly tend to be the most, uh, the most affected. But they're also having a really big impact on wildlife. So wildlife, because of the amount of pesticides used in the countryside, is increasingly seeking refuge in urban, in towns and cities but then finding that the, the natural resources they rely on is also doused in chemicals. So it's a real quick win to start getting these chemicals out of our cities and making them a refuge for things like bees, hedgehogs, butterflies, other pollinators. It's funny, I had a conversation with a friend yesterday who had done a talk at Friends of South Downs. Uh, one of the things that came out of that was they were seeing a lack of snakes, which sounds, how is that related to pesticides? And I kind of said, well, pesticides are killing off the food sources for those smaller down the food chain that's killing off those higher up such as snakes yeah for me that was a indication purely of what the damage that pesticides are doing yeah that's definitely true so it's not just a direct poisoning it's also like you say killing off the insects contaminating the water sources the pollen and that all just yeah that affects the entire ecosystem i mean one thing someone said to me um like when we were kids, you'd drive somewhere on the motorway and then you'd have to stop and wipe all the insects off your windscreen. You, don't, you haven't had to do that for years. I mean, when you think about that, you know, I'm only 38. In my lifetime, that's something that's changed and that's about pesticides and habitat loss. Yeah. And that is just shocking. So we need to start reversing these declines in biodiversity before we lose some of these species forever. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Well, thank you very much for your time today. Just to give that website once more, just so uh, the listener can go and check it out. So it's www.pan-uk.org. So, yeah, please come and, uh, and look at it and support us. Thank you very much. Thanks. Now, I've never used pesticides, except in the past I have used slug pellets. Not anymore. And I don't use any pesticides or anything like that at all now. And 
I don't feel the need to use any at all. That's my opinion anyway. And you're, of course, entitled to your own opinion and your own thoughts. And if you want to come to me with some information about why you use them or what you don't, please do. I don't mind. I do what I do. You do what you do. But that is the argument against using pesticides. And well, that is kind of it for this week. So before I wrap up, this week's seed competition winner is Ironoop, who tagged me in a book cover challenge that's going on Instagram at the moment. Uh, I'll get in touch with you and um, get uh, get your address and send those out to you. Now, if you would like to win next week, just get in touch with me. Each week, one winner will be drawn from a hat. To get in touch, just visit vegpodcast.co.uk and leave a comment. Or email me, richard at eventgrowpodcast.co.uk or even through all the various social media outlets out there. But thank you very much for listening. But for this week, please take care and I'll speak to you all again next time. <laughs>